So I used to run into Bashoi Tadros back in 2017, 2018, when I was training in New York City with a group called The Program. He always seemed like a really cool guy, but I didn't really know much about him. Turns out he's a really interesting dude. He's a cancer survivor and life coach. He's overcome a ton of obstacles and he's written a book. He's done marathons and Ironmans and he's raised a lot of funds for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I wanted to talk to him about a handful of things. First and foremost, what the hell does a life coach do? And basically he doesn't really love the term life coach either. What he does is he helps companies or individuals overcome obstacles and uses the three P's to do that, which are patience, perspective, and purpose. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Go to BashoyTetris.com for more info and to order his book, Break Barriers, How Setbacks Can Dare You Rather Than Define You. It is also available on Amazon. Thanks for listening. Stick around. The interview starts right after this message from our sponsor. There aren't a lot of pre-workouts out there that are designed for that cross-functional athlete. So when you begin training, you need energy, and that's why we've included caffeine anhydrous. In phase two, your body is demanding ATP. So we've included creatine HCL, and once you're moving, we want to keep it that way. So we've added Fitnox to improve performance. We're really dedicated to providing pre-workout options for everyone, for every goal. You probably don't remember this. I don't expect you to, but we would train in, with the program and I was like, he's a solid dude, but I never knew anything about you. I never knew that you had battled cancer for 10 years or that you're running all these Ironmans and marathons. Yeah, man. I mean, that was a period in my life where I was really owning my story. I mean, I'm 35 now and I didn't share my story publicly until I was almost 30, which is probably when we were hanging out in 2017. Right. Um, and so that swerve was actually swerve had a whole chapter in my book because it, it was one of the facilitators to me putting myself in uncomfortable environments, unleashing this potential that before that I didn't know. I mean, I wasn't growing up running. I wasn't a runner in high school. I didn't run in my 20s. It was kind of surrounding myself with that community of people who was just challenging me that kind of opened up, you know, what we have today. So why did it take you until after 30, were you self-conscious? Did you not want to open up or was it, was it something else? So there was a, a few elements to it. Like my situation was peculiar from the start. I was born in Egypt when I was three years old. Um, that's when I got my diagnoses. And so my parents up and left everything that they knew in order for me to get treatment. So between the ages of three and 13, I was an immigrant child assimilating and like nothing was working, whether it was obviously my, you know, my, my medical situation, my physical health. All I want to do is just, you know, play like every other guy out there. I wanted to play sports. It was during that period where, you know, I really thought I, I wanted to play basketball and no matter how bad I wanted it, being the first guy at the gym, last guy out, you know, shooting my free throws every day. For the life of me, I was always last on suicide lines. And I, I couldn't understand why I was always last in the suicide lines. And my parents, you know, doing their best to kind of protect, you know, my pr protect my emotions, didn't really want to tell me at that point in my life, it was because of all the chemo. So because of the fact that I was undergoing all this treatment, it was having a severe impact on my body. And no matter you know how bad I wanted something, you know, I had to kind of learn early that you don't always get the results you want when you want them. So fast forward to why it took me so long. It was those values that I kind of got instilled in me during that period where I was going through all that, that I had to like trial and error 
throughout high school and college and early on in my career to make sure that what my parents had told me at that point was real, that like being patient and maintaining perspective and, and, and understanding that you have a purpose, that that wasn't just fluff because I was sick essentially, and it was real. And so I kept reapplying that formula in different ways. It was in 2017, actually after I did the half Ironman, the Eagle Man in, in Maryland with a bunch of people from Swerve actually, um, it was during that race where I broke down in the 40th mile. And that's why my podcast is called Mile 40. Mm -hmm. And I looked around, there was salt all over my skin. I was completely dehydrated. Everybody had flown past me. I didn't think there was any shot, you know, I was going to hit any sort of respectable time. And it was the first time in my adult life that I channeled that younger kid. And I was like, you know, if he made it through what he went through, then, then you can figure out a way to get to this finish line. So I navigated the last 30 miles of the race. Like I didn't care about time at that point. I said, you know, you're going to literally celebrate every single mile. You're going to run one mile 30 times and you're going to make it to the end. I got to that finish line and I was like, holy shit. Like if I, if I just did that, like I could do anything. It was, it was a true like moment of awakening for me. Right. So then I got back to the city after that and I decided I was going to run my first marathon that year. I was going to run the New York City Marathon. In order to run the marathon, I had to fundraise for charity because I didn't have a bib. So I just decided, let me raise money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't have any relationship to the charity. I, I just figured well, it would you, you did, but not, I, yeah. you know, like, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. So I just wrote down my story in a piece of paper. And this is where I'm coming to the answer to the question. I shoved that paper in a drawer because I didn't want to share it with anyone because I was too vulnerable. I thought, I didn't think anyone cared about my story, to be honest. And that's why I didn't share it until I was 30. I, I didn't think that the last 30 years of growth for me meant anything to anyone but myself. And so it all came full circle for me at mile 40 and getting through the finish line of that half Ironman. But in my world where I was slower than everybody else growing up on that suicide line, I just believed that everybody else, you know, was capable and I wasn't. And so I, I eventually took the paper out of a drawer and I showed it to a mentor and he looked at it and he laughed and he said, Bishoy, why are you making your goal only $3,000? He goes, you need to make your goal $100,000. And he, and he gave me $1,000 and he said, go. And that was the beginning of everything because then 1,000 turned into five, turned into 20 and 30. And then that's when NASDAQ reached out and that's when I was invited to ring the closing bell. And, you know, the story took on a life of its own. And I was like, wow, like I, I almost never shared this story. never, never talked about it. I, I was convinced that no one would care about it. Um, and then it became the cornerstone of everything after that. You have to feel good on the inside out. And that means sometimes some tough love and also, you know, as you said, reevaluating things, right? Like you got to mile 40 and you're like, wait a second, if I can do this, I could do all the other stuff that I've been doubting. And what I find most interesting is I don't, I don't know if I can say that I can pinpoint any specific time period where I've had that epiphany. And that sucks, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that blows because it's super powerful. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, when I think about it from the like mile 40s perspective now, the show, I, I tell people that what I want you to do is I want you to think about your pit to peak trajectory, like whatever that pit may have been. And it's been interesting because it's allowed me to now bring on people with all sorts of backgrounds, different stories, you know, from people who battled issues with drugs and alcohol to people who 
battled issues now with sexual abuse and 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 other bottom like bottomless pits of their life um and they talk about the journey on upwards and and so um not everybody necessarily has a dramatic pit there are varying levels of growth that i think we all kind of encounter on our journeys and that's just right. by experiencing life and and you know to your point earlier that i, I think it's really important the only thing that really matters when you do share your story is that one other person. And that was something that I was really cognizant of when I wrote Break Barriers. You know, I didn't know what I was doing writing a book. And I actually Googled how to write a book. Like I, I had no literary background. And, you know, people were asking me all these questions about like, you know, how many books are you trying to sell? And like, what are, what are your goals with this? And honestly, the truth of the matter is even till today, all I cared about was just that one person who read it who was able to relate to it and who was able to then kind of pick up the pieces on their own journey. And I think that's what's so incredibly important about being in that position where you you do come to terms with who you are because once you once you find that, you don't realize right away how much impact you can have on other people. So I want to clear something up about what you're doing now cuz your website yeah. you're a life coach, right? But you're also you have a finance background and then yeah. you also were working with Salesforce. Do you still do that other work or is this something that you've been able to do uh, full time? Oh man, I got, it's been a crazy couple of years. So in, uh, let's see, 2019 was when I left JP Morgan and went to Salesforce. And that's when I was in the process of writing the book. Um, I actually used the book to transition through industries. So the joke was that I kept going on these interviews at tech firms and every tech firm I'd walk out of the interview and the feedback I'd get would be like, you know, you're great. You're really intelligent, but, you know, kind of getting labeled as a banker. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not a bank. I know I've been working in banking, but I really don't like it. And I really got to figure my way out of here. So when I interviewed at Salesforce, what I did was, I put my website on the top of the page. I bolded it, highlighted it, like basically pointed arrows to it because I just wanted them to click on it because there was a picture of the book. It wasn't even done yet. It was just a picture of the book. Um, and fortunately for me, when I got into that interview, they asked me, uh, tell us more about this book that you're writing. And, and I knew at that point that it didn't matter to me. Like I was going to take the job regardless. Right. Now, while I've been at Salesforce, the book got published. Um, it's done way better than I ever thought it was going to do. Um, last year, my wife and I had our daughter and Salesforce is a pretty generous paternity leave. And so I decided I wanted to make sure that I used the, the most of that time. And so that's when I started the podcast. So I'm currently still working for Salesforce, but I am heavily, heavily invested in building this platform at the same time. You know, the dream is always there. I want this to be my full-time gig. The biggest question I have is, what does a life coach do? Because I think there's a stigma. You hear that term, and I think a lot of people think it's something that weak people need. You know, I don't need a life coach. I don't need anybody telling me how to live my life. I think it's something deeper. That's my interpretation. But you're living it, and you're probably having to have these conversations with some people, or at least having them come around on what it is or is not. So what is it? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So, you know, one thing to kind of keep in mind is I actually don't like the term life coach either. The reason why it's used on a lot of these websites, such as mine, is for SEO purposes. Yeah, you got to see people are looking, for it. Right. People are looking for life coaches. But what I call it on my website and what I call it with my clientele is I consider it more of a milestone coach. And so in particular, I like to 
focus on the three things that I know that I've done in order to be able to help people. And so I talk about running your first marathon, writing your first book, or transitioning job industries because I've done all three of those things. And it's my it's my objective to try to hone in on those three because I know I can really, you know, speak the narrative about those three. And when you think about what you're doing as a coach in general, it's a lot different than for instance, seeing a therapist. I'm not a therapist. My job is to help you figure out how to get from point A to point B by helping you uncover where the obstacles are and game planning how to get around those obstacles. That that's my job essentially from a from a if you want to call it from a life coach and my verbatim a milestone coaching perspective. And, and it's breaking down those obstacles and and navigating through them together. It's essentially a sounding board for for meeting those milestones. Okay. And then I saw that what you offer on your website, you offer uh there's, I'm sure there's more, but there's three tiers that I saw, right? Yeah. There's one, one, three, and five sessions. Yep. Yep. What can you get done in one? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't somebody, if they're going to commit, don't yeah. they have to commit? Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. You can't really get much done in one. It's more around um, me establishing my value. Of course, if someone reaches out, I will meet with them for free to just, you know, kind of do the introduction and, and to level set and, and to kind of make them comfortable. But you know, people are hesitant to make a financial commitment to coaching because it is a nice to have. I mean, it, you know, it's not necessarily a need to have for everybody, you know, giving them the option to at least dip their toe in with one. It's more of a, an opportunity to say, Hey, I don't want you to overcommit if you don't feel ready to overcommit, but I want you to at least get a taste of, you know, what one real session is like, and then let you make the decision from there. I'm sure it changes per person, right? But what's the yeah. typical intro session like? Because from a sales perspective, and you, you have that background, you do have to hook somebody. You have to get let them, as you said, know their value and know what they can do. Because especially if they're hesitant to begin with, and you're not, I'm, a, I'm guessing that you don't want to go in timid and like, well, you're going to be like, look, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to get it done. And did, did you ever work with somebody that was just so, maybe they didn't really want to change. Maybe they didn't really want what they thought they wanted. And they just weren't willing to either sacrifice or do the hard work it takes to change and to evolve. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, those are difficult conversations, but there have definitely been times where after a couple of sessions, you know, I, I've had to be transparent and say that, you know, perhaps I'm not the right resource for you at this time. Because a lot of times, again, in those conversations, you uncover deeper, deeper topics that maybe need to be addressed outside of a coach's periphery, like things that perhaps I'm not qualified for. And, and you, you encounter those things and it's a fine line. And a lot of times, like when I was going through like my coaching certification, a big part of the process is being able to differentiate yourself from, you know, therapy. And, and a lot of times you encounter clients who bring up issues that are deeper than, you know, I don't know how to leave my job and go to or, or break through this industry and get to the next industry or, or, you know, I don't know how to train for a marathon or what marathon should I sign up for? Or, you know, should I run a 5k before I run a 10k? Things like that. Um, you find people that have more deep seated issues that they bring up. And I think in those kind of circumstances, you have to take the right approach and you got to step back and understand where that line is drawn between coach and therapist. Do people think it's one and the same and they just want to unload their problems on you and essentially have you mold them into something workable where I think whether it's therapy or whether it's 
a coach, it's just like if you're going to run a marathon, you still got to do the work. You got to yeah. be the person that does it. You, you, you can't have somebody, you, you can't just put, you know, all your faith in somebody else's ability. You need to be motivated and self-motivated to want to follow through. So I guess it's like, how do you know, you know, if you have a passion for something that's good, you found this, you found coaching, you found uh, writing books and running these things and proving that it can be done. And it was, it happened organically, right? You didn't plan it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, that was, that was one of the beauties of it is it did happen organically. And I remember multiple times telling myself that if it starts to feel inorganic or it doesn't feel real or it feels forced, then I need to step away. And that was a big part because again, it started with fundraising for a charity and then it led to Googling how to write a book. And then it led to, I'm, I'm sick and tired of talking my own story. I want to talk about other people's story to starting a podcast to, um, you know, other projects that I have down in the pipeline. But one of the things that, you know, stands out about what you said is a lot of times people need to remember it really is about the small wins, right? It's not about publishing a book. It's about Googling how to write a book. And then it's about, you know, not necessarily even writing that first chapter. What I Googled was how many words you need to write to hit 100 pages. Because I, I just thought that was a respectable amount of words. And it was 20,000 words. So then I was like, all right, just write 500 words. And then it was like, write 500 words again for the next 30 days. So like for me, the goals had to get breaking down. But I think that's a big issue that a lot of people have. And I encounter that a lot with the people that I work with. It's like, yeah, you want to run a marathon and, and that's great. You know, like I'll even use myself as an example. I ran my first marathon and I wanted to run a sub four marathon, never running a marathon. And of course I didn't run sub four for my first marathon. And, and but it took me, took me four marathons more to finally run sub four. And I, I realized that, you know, over time it's because I didn't apply the same mindset that I applied to everything else that I had done. And it was about just taking small steps to get there. You can't expect that because you want something or because you know, you're, you're taking the approach of insanity of doing the same things over and over and over again, that you're going to get it. You need to figure out ways to take incremental small steps to get to where it is that you want to go. It's definitely something that a lot of people are challenged by. But if you keep that mindset in the back of your core, it'll at least keep you grounded. Like I, I, I wasn't surprised when it took me five marathons to get there. Um, but uh, it took me five marathons to get there at the same time. I guess it's about acceptance, right? You have a goal, but even if you don't achieve the goal, but you still finish, that's the win, right? That's the takeaway that you can, you're building towards something. And that's absolutely something that uh, I do, right? Taking the helicopter view, you're looking way further down the line rather than one step at a time. And that can be detrimental. I encounter that consistently where I'm like, geez, this is going to be a huge undertaking. But really, if you do it one step at a time, it's like eating the elephant, right? One bite at a time. I also was looking at the three P's. I mean, would you mind explaining what those are and how they apply to the work that you do? Yeah, so the three P's were foundational. So they're patience, perspective, and purpose. And they were there and lied within me when I was younger. And I didn't, again, know, and this was kind of what I was alluding to earlier. So, um, you know, the example of not getting the results you want when you want them, that was just something that I was commonly used to as a child battling cancer, right? Like I didn't have a good clean of clean bill of health. 
like and I, and I couldn't do some of the things that the other kids were doing and my parents had to you know continually remind me to to be patient in the most in like the warmest of ways and in a way that you can tell a seven, eight, nine, ten year old and have them understand. And so it was instilled in me earlier that I just can't get the results I want when I want them, but not to give up on those results. And ultimately, good health came. Uh, perspective. I was always told that, you know, I was kind of handled this deck because I was built to hand to handle it. And yeah, that could be something that my parents were telling me to, to keep me strong. And I, I tested it over the course of time. It's like with other things that I had gone through, any other form of adversity that I'd gone through in my life, I had kind of taken that approach of, well, you know, I was given this adversity because I was built to handle it, whether it was in my career, whether it was in my personal life, so on and so forth. And so that's where perspective really became important for me. And then lastly, the idea of purpose. And the idea of purpose was something that really was made whole at mile 40. And it was the idea of putting yourself in uncomfortable positions in order to really unleash your potential. And, you know, if you had met me before I got to mile 40, and if you had met me before I even signed up for Eagle Man, you never would have thought that I would have been someone to sign up for an Ironman. You never would have thought that I would be someone to be doing an endurance event. You never would have thought that I'd be anywhere near any of those people, to be honest, because my entire life, I was told I wasn't one of those people. Um, and honestly, for the example of you and I, even being around a lot of people we worked out with at the time, I, I made a conscious de decision. And I, I talk about it in Break Barriers, and that was the, the, the chapter on Swerve, where I was looking around in that room. And what I loved about it was it was, it was dark. But I knew who was in that room. I knew we had a lot of, you know, college athletes, professional athletes. We had some, you know, some just real animals in there. And, and my entire life, I was told, like, that's not you. But I made it a point to like, really focus, put the towel over my head in that dark room, and just absorb the energy around me. Um, and, and that was part of the beginning of that unleashing of purpose. It became whole at mile 40. Um, and, and so that's why I think those three are critical. And if you combine them, I think you're truly unstoppable. Where can uh, where can people find you? Is it your website? Is that where you want to point to or any social media? What would you Yeah, like? sure. So um, the book is available on my website and on Amazon. Um, you could find me on Instagram uh, at Bishoy Tadros or at Mile40Podcast. Um, and you can shoot me a note like through the website um, if you'd like as well. I, I make myself readily available for anyone to chat. You know, I want to make sure that there is no confusion about the uh, milestone coaching. You know, if someone is interested, reach out and I'm happy to talk to you. And, it, you know, I, I don't charge to talk to people and to kind of, um, you know, assess whether or not it's a good fit. Um, so, yeah, shoot me a note anytime. Dude, that's cool, man. I had a really great time talking to you and catching up. And I'm, I'm just really happy. I love stories where people are doing well and they're, they're happy and they're doing positive things.